Hey guys, my name is Ben Bonham. I get the privilege of working for Young Lives. I've been a director for a long time. I'm getting old. I think I've worked uh, about 15 years. And uh, I live in the, the lovely town of Springfield, Ohio. Said no one ever. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it's a great place in, in all in all uh, reality. And uh, it's where I grew up. And I'm one of these weird staff guys that ended up back home. And, uh, with my lovely wife, and we have four little ninos running around, uh, ages 2, 6, 10, 12, so my life is crazy, always. And um, when I was asked to lead this seminar about community, um, I, I do know that I am a simpleton, okay? I am very much, and you, my leaders are like, you know what else? Right. Um, very much like practical, kind of meat and potatoes kind of guy. So our time together... It's going to be interactive. I'm going to need you to participate. Um, and it's going to be, we're going to have three different uh, really stages of things we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you some super practical community stuff. Uh, at the end, I want to open up the floor and have you ask questions where we can talk about uh, how we can help you uh, in, in your situation. And at the beginning, I uh, directly ripped off some of Keller's stuff about community. And we're going to talk about that because he's much, much better than me. Um, so uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, then we'll get going. Lord, we are thankful to be here. We pray you would guide this conversation. Uh, thank you for the heroes in this room who are missionaries to the college students, high school students, and the kids for team moms and all of you. Thank you for the privilege of what we're doing. We pray that this conversation can glorify you. Lord, that we wouldn't know more about you, but we would know you better. So I do lots of weird things in my life, um, and uh, I work on a house a lot and do remodeling and a lot of weird stuff, and uh, I made my first piece of furniture last week, okay? I made a bed for our toddler, and so it's like headboard, footboard, you know, the rails, the whole deal. And so I'm using the magic of the World Wide Web to find all the plans and, you know, all the cuts and everything. And so I go and I buy this pile of lumber. So I'm looking at this pile of lumber in my garage going, I don't think I can make that into a bed. You know what I mean? Like, i clearly not qualified for this. And But I follow all the steps. I'm very precise with my jobs. I check them a bunch of times. And I end up with a pretty cool bed. And now my two-year-old has this, this cool bed. And I'm like, I made that. Um, and I, I think what we're talking about today with commu- community stuff and culture, it's like, you can do it, right? You just need to think it through, you need to make a plan, you need to work on it. But my, my caution to you, just like anything else with what we do, it's not a mathematical equation, right? Because with Young Life, a lot of times I go... If I do this work for Tom and this work for these kids, the result is going to be this awesome community culture club, right? And we all know that, that it's not a mathematical equation. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes we're humiliated and we go home, right? Um, and so we, I'm hoping this can be really, really practical for you all. Um, we're going to jump right into what Keller talked about. Uh, who's read Proud of God before by Tim Keller? Okay? Handful of you all. Uh, the entire book is about the, the parable of the prodigal son. So we're going to open up right now to Luke 15. Yeah. <laughs> 
Somebody with a loud voice, read uh, starting in Luke 15 in verse 11, and stop when I say stop. Who wants to read for me? What's your name? Chloe. Chloe, thank you very much. You said start at 11. Yes, please. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Perfect. So party begins, right? Chloe, you nailed it. Thank you very much. Um, let's use... <coughs> This parable for club talks or campaign or before. Okay, this is one that as soon as we open to, I kind of like, oh, this one again. You know, like we've read this one so many times, and we we use the prodigal God for uh, first year trainings. We, we talk about this this parable a lot, but I've never really until I read all this Keller stuff about community. I've never thought about this parable uh, through the lenses of, of community. Okay, and. Let's talk about it real quick. How does this parable that Chloe just read, how does that have anything to do with uh, community or the beginning of community? What do you think? Go. Rejects community, thinking of the good, healthy community he had in Bolt. Keep going. Go ahead. Like uh, the son is constantly searching for what's in fact. Yep. The kid's looking and looking and looking. Right. Keep going. Uh, the fact that we don't see like a model community at the end, I think, is cool. Like everyone has to know his son went to squander all his wealth, which is a complete idiot. But everything we read and we, and we can come to know from the story is. They welcome him back with open arms. It's not just a Absolutely. And then hurt. Right? Like, he comes home, and dad throws a big party for him. And everybody's invited. And they kill a fattened calf. And they put the robe on him and the ring on his finger. Right? Like, he gets the royal treatment. The dad is the key piece for community here. Right? Like, if you look at what happened... The father's response is really the, the trajectory for what happens. Does that make any sense? But, and so what Keller says is that the father, he is real, he's vulnerable, and he doesn't care about 
what society said, how they say he should respond. Because if you're a noble, rich guy like this guy, how should he respond? According to the world. Like when the kid comes back, that's a real question. How should he respond? The world standard. Rejected. Yeah, he should reject it. Like you took my money, you said these hurtful things, you're out of this family. Keep going. Discipline. Discipline him. Or maybe go, yeah, you can be one of my servants. You know what I mean? Go get to work. But instead, he goes, I'm so glad you're home. And he demonstrates weakness, like in, in view of like his peers, right? He doesn't care what they think. And he allows, this is Kevin's first point, uh, for there to be healing growth. So in community, there needs to be healing growth. And he, he doesn't mind what people think about it. Bonhoeffer says, it's the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the pious or religious to understand that confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner that you are to God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, sacrifice and work. He wants you alone. My son, give me thine heart. The dad doesn't go. Uh, he doesn't say anything conditional. I'll take you back if. He just says, I'm going to take you back. Because you're my boy. Welcome home. Let's party, right? This message is liberation through truth. Keller says, you can hide nothing from him. The mask you wear before men would do you no good before him. He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. You do not have to keep on lying to yourself and your brothers as if you, as if you were without sin. You can dare to be real and be a sinner. Thank God for that. So, the father is, is modeling and kind of giving people and the son permission to be real, right? Um, let, let's talk about a hairy situation here. Uh, or a sensitive situation. In American Christianity slash religiousness, let's say you're in a small group of guys or girls, and someone share some shocking news to you about a hidden sin they have. Right? Let's say uh, a guy approaches me and says, I've been you know, addicted to pornography for the last 20 years or whatever, and is brave enough to tell me that. In our society, in our Christian society, how, how do people respond to that? There's several different ways. Uh, good, good or bad. How do they respond uh, negatively to this? Any, any kind of news like that. What do you think? You're gross or disgusting. Right. So kind of like, how could you? Right? Keep going. Good. They shot them, shot them away. Right, like, yeah. We can't be friends anymore, right? Yeah. A lot of times it's terrible, ugly, judgmental responses. I grew up in a very conservative culture in my family, small town, you say. And it's like, if somebody has public sin, you don't have anything to do with them, right? Like, that's just how it was. And in this situation, 
the dad had all the rights to go, you're out. But he welcomes them with no condition, right? After he personally offended him and took all the money and blew it. He just welcomes him back. So, in healing growth, the biggest point Keller keeps talking about is we have to be gentle with people, humble with people, and approachable. And when someone tells you shocking news, you have to go, gosh, you were so brave for telling me this. I really appreciate your vulnerability and you being real. And your response is going to create or destroy an opportunity to have community and to go deeper with this person. Just like the dad in this parable. We've got to respond appropriately. Not in, in a way that's going to enable, but in a way where we're sympathetic, kind, gentle, and going, like, if Dave, you tell me something terrible, and I want to go, gosh, Dave, thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to pray for you, dude. Next week, we'll sit together and talk about it. And then next week, I'm going to get together and talk about it. And I'm going to follow up with him and help him get through that and grow, because that's what we do together. Um, so healing, growth. Second point, he says, is family closeness. The Bible talks about brotherly love all over the place, right? And, and here's a weird point we talk about. Raise your hand if you have siblings. Okay? Brothers, sisters, great. Um, I guarantee most of you didn't pick your siblings, right? They just showed up that way, right? Like, I have an older brother and two younger sisters. I didn't pick none of them. I was just there. Okay? Um... If you want to know how that happened, we can have a conversation later. <laughs> um, my little sister, okay? Glad she's not here. Uh, my, my middle sister, she's the tell you your business kind of little sister, right? And I'm goofy personality, slightly inappropriate at times. I talk too close to my friends. Like, I don't have much personal space. And she hates when I'm like that. And I'm like, that's me. You know, like, that's how I am, right? Like, I often, like, talk like this, my friend, hey, you know, this, whatever. Uh, and so she's all the time squawking at me. And when she squawks at me, I always go, ah, and make the squawking noise after her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, clearly, but I don't want her to squawk at me. Sometimes, you know, they start, like, doing the bird arms, you know, like, and, uh, we don't always get along with us, right? But she's still my sister. She's two years younger than me, and when we were in high school, if, uh, if somebody at school would do something to my sister, they're going down. You know what I'm saying? Because she's my sister. And I'm not going to let people pick on her or be rude to her because she's my sister. Even though she drives me crazy, I still have her back, right? And I still love her unconditionally. Why? Yeah, we're in the same family, right? And so... With one another in your community, whether it's your house, <coughs> your campaigner group, uh, this is where it gets real tricky, your team that you lead with, your leadership, church. Under family closeness, there's three points. The first one is having unconditional, non exclusive grace for one another. You have to treat them like your sibling. Like, you have their back no matter what. 
here's the problem. From the world standards, if you don't like someone, what do you do with that person? What do you say? Say you don't talk to them. What else? What do you say? Subtweet. You, you talk, uh, well, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can do harm, right? What else do you do? Yeah, absolutely, you avoid them. Where do you find that in the Bible? Right? <laughs> um, the people you're with, people on your team, people in your campaigners, you have to have unconditional grace and love with these people. Even if they drive you crazy. I've been on plenty of teams low these many years of doing my life where I work with a guy or girl that drives me crazy. And I think all the time, oh, this team would be so much better without that person, right? Like, I really dislike that person. And I have to fight through that because they're still on my team. They're in this circle that those were put them on. And my job is to care for them and love them and not act like the world. Right? Yeah, you can't snobby with those people too. It's so weird. Like, if you're placed with them, you have to care for them. Uh, example: I'm trying to walk this line cautiously. Okay. High school kid who annoys me like crazy. This is a real story. And he's the most annoying human I've ever encountered. <laughs> <laughs> and he is mean. Draws attention to himself campaigner kid and this kid because of his personality I know for a fact that some of my lost high school dudes aren't coming to club because he is there and so I want to kill this kid right because not only is he annoying but he's deterring other kids from coming and deterring gospel proclamation and you know what I mean like it's serious business and so I've got a big chip on my shoulder towards this kid because he's so funny. Who's the number four? Thank you. That kid's name was Ryan Nicom. So <laughs> 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 here's the kid. Kid drives me crazy. I complain about him. Complain about him to my team. Right? And then one day I'm hanging out with this kid and I start talking to him about his life. Suddenly I knew that his mom died and that he grew up in foster care and that he got adopted in high school and lived from this house to this house and this house. And as he's talking, I'm going, oh my gosh, I am the biggest jerk in the world. Right? Like, as soon as I start spending time with this kid, I'm heartbroken, heartbroken for what his life has been like. And the conviction is now like, oh my gosh, he's just a normal lost kid. He needs people like me to push him to Jesus, care for him, and model what it means uh, to go after Jesus and everything else in life. You know what I mean? And it's like, Suddenly, my view of this kid is different because uh, Taylor's second point under Taylor's closeness is we have to hang out with each other. Right? Like, in this situation, if I didn't spend this time with this boy, 
I would have still had a chip on my shoulder and I was still having unhealthy behavior. And since then, I've had lots of really hard conversations with him because I want him to grow, and I'm not going to settle for for not expressing the truth to him. I said things to him that are really hurtful but appropriate. Does that make sense? And he will take it because he knows I love him. Uh, third point under family closeness. And this one's, this one's easy for some and hard for others, depending on how you are. Because uh, you have to be practical with how you help each other. And so, uh, it could be you're buying people meals. It could be, hey, you need some a car? Here's my car. It could be your time. You know, in the early church, uh, after Jesus ascends and, and everything's going crazy... They talk about community over and over and over. And how they gather together, they worship together, they pray together. Everybody's stuff is everybody's stuff. You know what I mean? And it's like, we get to attach to stuff. <coughs> part of being a community. We get to be okay with, with our stuff and our time being uh, given to other people. Not unwisely, but also generously. You know? um, third point, so we've got healing growth, family closeness. And this one, this one's pretty not not an easy thing, but you get it because you're young leader. As Keller says, you need to have a countercultural reversal of the world's values. What are some of the world's values? Really, I have to do what's right for me all the time. Okay, I'm focused. Right it's about me. There's only a million people. Power. <clears throat> Keep going. alternate way of being human, right? The superiority stuff is gone. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, but he is the creator of the universe. He was born a baby, lived his life here, and he died for us on purpose. As the ultimate model of being a servant, love, sacrifice. And that's the model we're supposed to follow. And so we have to continually train ourselves. Hey, the world says this, but Jesus says I'm supposed to pick up my cross and follow it. And I'm going to serve others. I'm going to bear their burdens. And sometimes with young life, we get so busy that we forget our purpose, right? Have you ever had a week where you're like, I'm doing a club talk, I've got school, I've got work. And in the middle of that, you forget that you get the privilege of proclaiming the best news in the world to people who don't know it. Do you ever sit back and go, I can't believe I get to do this? There's kids in my high school, or people at my college, or middle school kids, who are lost, alone, lonely, they're the safest people in the world, and all they need is Jesus, and I am the only Jesus that they're going to see today. 
I get to do that. Sometimes when you look too busy and you forget that. Because when I say that and think that, then I go, oh man, let's go. Then I go, I'm ready to do this. Right? So family closeness. So the three things under that. Unconditional, non-exclusive grace. Hanging out together. And practical how you help each other. Uh, the countercultural reversal of the world's values. We're here to serve and model what Christ did. Um, comments, questions about Keller stuff before we move on to really practical stuff. It's weird for me to talk about practical community stuff because I think some of it is personality, like, and some of it can, some of it will come really natural to people, and some of it won't. And so uh, I was asked to do this because we have a pretty good community in my town. Uh, we have around 30 liters or so on average, and over the, over the years, I've had lots of staff people say to me like, "I'm not envious of anything about Springfield." Because it's Springfield. <laughs> but I, I really, really wish we had community like you and your leaders And we've got that lots of times over the years. And so that's why I asked you to do this. And uh, I'm not any more qualified than anybody else here. I'm probably less. But um, I want to talk about some really simple, practical things. And a lot of them are going to be like, duh, duh. You know, like, they should be easy. Um, raise your hand if you... Gave your life to Jesus uh, through your local Young Life Club camp. Okay. Um, why did you start going to club? This is a real question. Where do you respond? Go ahead. wouldn't stop bothering me about it. Okay. So appropriate pestering. Okay. You hear that? So his friends were pestering him, pestering him, and finally. He caved, and sometimes it's like, fine, if I go, you shut up, you know what I mean? And, uh, and you went. Why'd you go back? Because it was weird, but I ended up kind of like me at the end. Got it. Yeah. Very normal response, okay? Uh, love, love our mission, right? Somebody else, why did you first start going? Go ahead. Older kid with influence invited to you. You thought I need to go because that's in your mind. Why did you go? Uh, my young life leader was my track or my soccer coach, and she we hung out like every day, and she was like the coolest person. What a good young life leader, right there! Did you hear that? So she already had a relationship with the young life leader because the young life leader was her soccer coach. Already loved her young life leader, and so when she invited her, I said, "Yeah, I'll go because I'm with you." Right? Yeah. Uh, so yes, why did you go to club? Good. I saw a group of people go up and play about each other and have a lot of fun. Absolutely. I want to be part of whatever is going on there. Okay. Somebody else have a hand up. Good. My brother went. Older? Did he give you a choice or did he invite you nicely? Yeah, he invited me nicely. Okay. Because sometimes it's like you're going with me. You know what I mean? Uh, whether you like it or not. Okay. And did you want it to go? Yeah. Okay. Guess why I went. Okay. A senior on the cross-country team who hung out with the freshman and told me to do something for 
and then you could go. Uh, do you know why, why I went? The ladies, right? <laughs> so, I'm a sophomore in high school. My friend Mike, who's actually here, trust me, says, go to your life with me on you know, Tuesday night, whatever. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, it's hard to explain, but then he just starts listing off the girls that would be there, right? So then I'd go there, and I'm like this. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I went because the girls were going to be there. I did zero listening to the club talk, but I had a lot of fun. There were girls there, and I kept going. And we went to Taco Bell afterwards, and I was like, it's, yeah, Chloe, you're with me. That's because you're sensible. Um, <laughs> so I kept going. It had nothing to do with, with the club talk, and it had nothing to do with the Young Life Leader, really. I kept going because I had fun. And so, as we talk a little bit about community, uh, keep in mind that what you already are doing at club can kind of serve as a model for other uh, avenues where you want community. So like right now, like where, where are you seeking community? Where would you like community to improve? Give me a few examples. Your small town among adults. Nicole's been at my theater for a long time. She's now a mom trying to figure out this new stage in life where my peers aren't college kids anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in small town USA and I'm trying to build some community with moms and dads here. That's a great one. Somebody... I said campaigners. Definitely campaigners. Okay. Where else? Work. Your job. Jeremy's a teacher and... Uh, yeah, that's great. How about your house? Who lives in a house... Like if you're a dude with a bunch of guys. Ladies with a bunch of ladies. It's like, those houses, I look back on when I was 19 years old and lived with five of my friends, it was extreme red. And we were the worst to each other, okay? Just the worst. We were so stupid. We had fist fights. Real fist fights. Uh, I broke an iced tea pitcher, a plastic container over my friend Mike's head. This really happened, okay? And there was restraint involved from other people. I mean, it was just like we were so serious, right? Um, so we're going to talk through some really practical things about, about how we do community. And I'm going to uh, tell you the form of song. Wait, my, my area has been going to Nicaragua uh, each summer. And we work at the Young Life Camp that produces the Beyond Beans coffee. And we work hard. And so let me tell you about the process a little bit. And then we'll talk about community through, through those phases. Okay? So we only want to take uh, sharp high school kids who would be kind of uh, the kids you would send on work crew if you're sending appropriate kids. Okay? Um, we're talking juniors and seniors who are sharp, who are contributing to club and campaigners, and who are trying to grow spiritually. Uh, and I'm also taking some young leaders. And it's a small group under 15, okay? This summer will be our third trip. And so the process is something like this. At fall weekend, we say, hey, we're going. Here's the dates. If you're interested, we have a meeting in a month. We have a meeting in a month, and it's just, here's the cost, dates, details. Here's how we're going to get there. I need to know a month later if you're in or out, all right? So then after that, we have a once-a-month meeting where we get together, we pray, we talk about that country, that culture, we read a book about doing mission stuff, and it's, we're trying to to grow in our knowledge of 
that country, but also how we're going to serve and, and talk a lot about the Lord, okay? So it's a, it's a pretty big time commitment for me, but also the, these people are, are doing the work, right? So when we go, uh, initially we stay in someone's home. Uh, it's very humble. It's very awkward. And you're there from pretty much noon, have lunch with them, you're there during free time, have dinner with them, spend the evening with them, sleep in their bed, which is terribly uncomfortable. It's very, very hot. Some have electricity and running water, some don't, and the next morning you leave. And it's super awkward because they habla espanol and you don't, okay? Um, after that, we go to the camp, and we work really, really hard for the rest of the week. And here's what I want from our people. So I, I coach our, our kids and leaders, and I go, the Nicaraguans down there have a certain stereotype of America, right? That they're not just, they don't know anything about geography. Um, they're picky about what they eat. They're not the best workers, and they like to be comfortable. And this isn't them telling this to me. This is my perception, okay, how they view us. And I think it's pretty right on, okay? Uh, and so here's what I want our people to do. I want them to outwork any gringos who are down there, okay? When we get to camp, I want them to work harder, faster, with more enthusiasm than any other Americans that the camp, the camp staff and local Nicaraguan have seen. Not for pride reasons, but we're there to work, right? Let's do it. And at the same time, I want to screw around and have more fun than any of the other gringos coming down, right? So I set up the expectations before we go walk through them in the stages, and then when we get there, I have to work harder than anybody else because I'm leading the church. Right? And we worked hard, didn't we, Jeremy? Okay? We planted banana trees all week. And what they do is they chop off the bottom of the old trees, and it's about this big around, weighs about 75 to 100 pounds each, they're covered with mud. You throw them on your shoulder and you walk them up the mountain. Somebody else is planting them, somebody else is digging holes, somebody else is planting them, somebody else is filling them up. But Jeremy and I were tree haulers. All we did was put these stupid trees on our shoulders, walk up the mountain, come back down, and do it again. And I kept thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this. This is so stupid, right? Uh, at night, we had a Bible study with the local Nicaraguan young staff. After the Bible study, we play a really, really stupid game that's really fun. And the first night, we had two Nicaraguan guys there, and they loved it. Okay. The next night we had four. The next night we had like six. The last night we needed a bigger room. Okay. So why did that happen? What do you think? Okay. Why were they drawn to the community? This could be open to anybody. There's a vision. Okay. We had vision. Keep going. Respected you. Okay. They respected us because we worked really hard. And we had fun together. Why else? You pay attention to the stupid game, you paid attention you paid attention to the people that were there. Absolutely. Like we knew them in person. And we invited them in. That was the other big part is we go, we're gonna do this again tomorrow night. Come join us. Tell your friends about us. You know what I mean? Like Bring people in. And so it's so simple and very practical. But we worked hard. We had fun. It was 
really intentional. We brought them in. We knew their names. And we uh, played the dumbest games with them. One of the games you had to make a fart noise over and over and over and over. And a few of the problems were you just here laughing because they were acting so stupid. Like, it was really fun. Jeremy, make the noise once. Oh, come on. So, let me give you a few more really, really practical things where I'm hoping you're going to hear these things and go, duh, this is simple, okay? Um, in building community in my town, more than anything, I want my young hunters to know, because I want our leadership to be a tight-knit People who love Jesus and have the same purpose in terms of going, but then in life, I'm going to help them succeed. That's my goal. Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be young life at all. Uh, I'm going to give you two Claire stories. All right? Claire is a teacher. She's been doing young life for ever. I don't know. Eight, ten years, whatever. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. She loves kids. She serves hard. And she'll cuss you out. Okay? Nah, it's all true, right? I have so many pictures of her flipping the earth. But um, this is a fascinating woman. Claire's in college. She came from a non-Christian family in high school, gave her life to Jesus, three young life in high school, <coughs> becoming a young life leader. Parents don't want her there. They don't want her spending her time, energy, resources on young life, and it's foolishness to them. Has anybody ever been there before? Or had friends? Right. It's, it's a tough place to be when you don't have support from mom and dad. And things are tense, and dad is seriously on the fence about going, you're coming back home. Right? And she lives up around Cleveland area. She calls me going, my brakes are shot on my car. It's going to be 600 bucks because it needs to be everything all the way around. And if I tell my dad this, I'm going home. Going home. What can I do? And so for me, it's clear as clear can be. My job is to listen really well. Be a good friend. And when appropriate, make things happen. So in this situation, I call a couple old guys who are generous in our family. I say, here's the deal. I need four or five hundred bucks, whatever it was. Got the money, fixed it myself. Dad never goes well. Right? Maybe I was a little sneaky. Okay? What was the result for Claire? Nothing we can do. I mean, there's nothing we can do anyways. 
And it was, I was so burdened by it. It was just on my heart. And we're, we're going to our Young Life Conference a couple weeks ago in Orlando. And I, you know, you, you turn your, your phone on airplane mode and land, right? So I, we land. I put my phone back to normal mode. And I have a couple calls from her, a voicemail from her. And as soon as I flip it on, she's calling. Right? So I'm like in the plane, people all around me. I'm like, I answer, oh, there, sorry. It's a lot weird. There's people everywhere. She's bald. She just came back from the doctor with her mom. It's rough. And I, she's crying so hard, I can't hardly understand what she's saying, right? And I hear her go, I don't know what to do. Right? And so for me, uh, and this is just how the Lord has wired me, it's like, I am dying for her, you know? Like, just, all I can say is, I'm so sorry. I'm going to pray for you like crazy. And I'm going to ask all the old ladies who are great at praying to pray alongside me. Right? And so, what I do next can build community or can deter that. Right? And so, I feel it's my job, uh, first of all, to pray for every day. And I'm praying for a family. I'm praying for a miraculous healing. But more importantly, I'm praying that the Lord uses this opportunity to draw the men to himself. Because we often see the Lord do amazing things through crisis and tragedies, right? And so then I'm thinking, how can I care for her in this situation? So I send her a text. Hey, so I want you to know I'm praying Send an email to leadership going, here's what's happening with Claire's mom in our committee. Please beg the Lord on her behalf and her family's behalf and spread the news. Right? My goal is so that she goes, man, as I'm going through this crisis, that we're in it together. And that I'm leading the charge with our leaders and our community. Like, I have to take it, show them what I want, invite them to participate with me, and then ask them to take it to other people. And can you see how when we have an opportunity to follow up with someone, how suddenly it can help create community depending on how you respond. And oftentimes, we say, I'm really sorry, I'll pray for you, and then there's zero follow-up. Right? And these people are going through this crazy stuff in life, and the next time we see them, we act like we never even heard of them. Not that we're being... You know, like blatantly rude to them, but we're not doing the opposite and caring for them like crazy. So, you know, does that all make sense? So, a lot of it is so simple where, where you and I just need to be good friends and care for people. Um, and a big part of that always will be going, come with me and do this. Invite people in. Uh, questions on any of that? Does it seem overly simple? Nicole? Well, not, not a question, but I just think like part of the way that um, you've built community around Claire and for Claire, too, is such an example for her parents, who for the past 11 years <coughs> they've now gotten to a point where they don't understand it, but I think that they at least appreciate 
you in her life and the community that she has. They know that she's safe in a shady area. And um, I just think it's cool for them to get to see the community surrounding you. Yeah. That verse in John where 13 where it says they they know we are our head and watching it by the way we love each other. And it's like all of the time on your teams, I think about this at the club all the time. Like we are demonstrating that we are pride by the way we love each other on this team. Sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes it's a big old hot mess, right? Um, that's great. Anybody else? Before we move on to uh, your questions and concerns and thoughts and how we can help you with your situation. Okay, so let's, you had your chance again. You blew it, you're it on. Um, so in your life, whether it's campaigners or church or your family or your small group or your house that's a mess, um, what questions do you have? How can we as a group help you? Go ahead. What's your name? Stephanie. Okay. Um, how do you build community amongst people who aren't super excited to build community with those people? Like, they're playing, so like, mostly I'm thinking of like, my girls, but um, like a bunch of my, we we had a, all our seniors left and they were kind of like the glue holding the group together and when they all left, everyone like didn't want to be friends with each other pretty much anymore. And I'm having a really hard time like, convincing them that it's important and that like I'm trying I don't know yeah. I'm having trouble getting that back it, it's so hard and it's so funny because I mean we, we with what we do all of us we have these same frustrations where I'm like I've had this conversation with a kid ten times like how many more times do I have to have this conversation with you before you get it like have you we all have had these thoughts right and so <clears throat> Other than personally meeting with them and casting the vision, and of course praying for them that they would get it, um, there's nothing you can really do outside of modeling it. You know what I mean? And the really, really tricky part about what we do is if those kids don't get it enough times and you feel like you're wasting your time eventually, you've got to move on. And that's where it's really hard with what we do. You know what I mean? Uh, because we still have to love these kids, you know? Like, it's, it's tricky. I was no help with that question at all, so let's move on, shall we? Uh, I think, like, also, like, setting up opportunities for them to spend time together. You know, fun, fun things, not just, like, you know, campaign. I mean... Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, because that was a huge one that I, that I missed, and we'll get to you in a second, was community needs to be fun. And so... Uh, we play this dumb game with, with our high school guys uh, called Death Hack or Carnage or whatever you call it in your town where we stand in a circle and you throw a, a ball in and you kick it around in soccer rules and after two people it becomes dodgeball, right? We beat the crap out of each other. We do it consistently and before club we'll be out in someone's yard or in Bailey's basement playing this game inviting new kids in so a couple weeks ago, there's a new dude named Aaron who's, you can tell he's weirded out just by being there. And by us bringing him into this dumb circle playing this stupid game, he was loving it. And there's a certain part of community where it's just like, we can create and help create fun and experiences where they can bond and also just have good, clean fun and want to come back and be part of that. 
Um, so I think that's, that's a great idea is try to get them together and do something fun where they have some sort of sort of bond. It's just like camper for weekend. It's like you have cabin time and at the end of the week you're like, this group has really bonded. I mean, it's not always, but sometimes. We've got to go home and run with this. You know what I mean? Because we have this momentum. Um, and that was six days. I mean, it's crazy what, how far you can get. Okay, go. Um, what kind of experience have you had with trying to build a community within a campaigner group that is incredibly lukewarm? Like kids that love club, they love coming to campaigners. Kids are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, they just want nothing to do with They don't want to try to follow Jesus outside the coming campaigners. Anybody? Any help? Yeah, um, so we haven't until like pretty recently had a, a like community amongst our group and that really started to change change once we got um kids that like actually like want to grow in their faith. Um and so I think the first thing you need to do in order to like build that community is to just like have kids who like want to grow in their faith and like just individually like want to disciple kids. And like that set off a chain reaction where like we actually have community now because they know how to love because they know Jesus. I think I would also, if you know these kids well, I would broach the subject with them individually and just say, hey, uh, I feel like you're a consumer, you know what I mean, and doing Young Life because it's fun, but I don't feel like you're having an impact on your high school like you could. Let me tell you about that. And see if they respond to you casting vision. Um, to reaching their friends, like kind of individually. Yeah. And that's what happens when they don't respond to that. Like a lot of us on the have conversations with kids about that. Yep. Like, go that's that's when I pursue them for a while, and after a while, when they are doing are being worthless in terms of contributing to, to bringing new kids to club and a part of what you're trying to do, I would spend my efforts somewhere else. And that's a such a tricky line to walk because we need to leave that relationship healthy. And just focus your time on a different kid. But still be super kind and loving to those kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a fine line. Go ahead. Do you have a committee that you could specifically give this prayer request to and say, hey, could you connected to the local body, you're blowing it. 
okay? Because for lots of reasons, right? You should be connected to a local, local body uh, for your own growth and for, for them and all the reasons you need to be connected. But for your high school, middle school, college friends, Young Life is not church. We act like it's church. We need to flood our high school, middle school, and college friends in because when they graduate, they need some sort of foundation outside of us in Young Life. They need to be plugged in so they don't die, right? And so uh, working with churches can be can be crazy, and, and I've had lots of really great experiences and lots of really terrible experiences. Amen, Nicole. Um, and so uh, when you're in a small town like us, it's easy to develop good and bad relationships. Um, and so with your question, do you mean like active, actual practical partnerships, or do you mean like taking kids to church? What, how do you mean? Um, I guess... I have a relationship with, like, there's, there's a church called Crossroads that most people know about, but the West Side location specifically is in the heart of the community I lead it. So it's it's actually a smaller-ish church. And I know, like, the youth, the head of, like, youth ministry or whatever, and, like, she'll reach out to me once in a while, like, say hi. Like, it's definitely, like, there's a relationship there, but there's just tension, and it's weird, some of our kids go there, and some of their kids come. Like it's, and, and it's just hard to figure out what my role is and her role is. Yeah. I get our team versus their team kind of thing, and the overlap, and just trying to figure out how that can be a healthy relationship with more communication than it currently has. Okay. First of all, uh, sometimes we all, we act like what we do is right and what other people do is wrong. Like young life can. And that's not the reality. We do something as it works well for us, and it is effective. But it doesn't mean what they're doing is bad, right? And so we need to kind of check ourselves and how we how we view people, because sometimes we can think that we're better than them in what we're doing. And that's I'm saying that because I fought through that for a lot, a lot of years. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like it's more important for them to get our stuff anyway. You know, like that kind of attitude, which is very, very wrong. Okay, um, but I would start by calling this person or setting, you know, an appointment to have coffee or whatever and just saying, gosh, we need to be on the same team. We'd love to start at least by talking dates and times so that there isn't a competition. And let me tell you the heart behind your life. We're trying to reach this lost kid who wouldn't go to church. And what's so instinctive and important about it is we need that Christian kid to get it or to click to bring his or her friends and, you know, it's, it's different than a youth group. And, gosh, here's how you can pray for us. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. How can I pray for you? And in that, just uh, kind of caring for that person a little bit. And I know, again, this is like, we have limited amount of time how we have to focus, right? But I think by starting and going, man, we want to work together. Here's the nice for your husband and me. I hope he doesn't conflict with you. Can we talk about it? And just opening up the door and initiating the conversation of, I'd like to work together with you because I appreciate what you're doing. Go ahead. I work uh, full-time at a church and just started walking down the road with our area director doing partnership stuff. And just to respond to that, I think uh, I didn't bother in college uh, and when you're a youth pastor working in a church, you already feel like you're not the cool one anymore. And Young Life is still the cool one. So like, if you could, if, if you could in your heart can reach out to, to the in the church and, and be like 
a little bit humble and say, I want to be a part of your life. Uh, and the thing that really benefited um, Brandon and Nike in my relationship is that we became friends. We spent time together, and we didn't really even talk about. I mean, he's not an easy guy to hang out with. He's a super But like, you're talking about community, and if you want partnerships to happen, then there has to be some sort of community between you. Absolutely. And we're just this is early. So. I've been amazed at the, my whole kind of following with her, just meeting with all these pastors. Them going, hey, how can we help you? When I show up at the table not wanting something, wanting to get to know who this person is, and just say, hey, here's what we're doing in Park County. Okay, God, it's been really fun. Ask you to pray for a few things without an agenda. And then they go, man, how can I help you? And it's been really fun to watch some new doors open and connections with churches. And even me... Appreciated by a few guys. Uh, like last night, one of these pastors who I used to not like very much, who I met with in the fall and we kind of talked through some stuff, texted me last night right before I was leaving the international breakout thing. And I thought last night, I don't know what we're doing here, right? Now. And he's just like, hey, this is out of the blue band, but I'm praying. Just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, Grant, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Here's what's going on. And it's like, we approach him humbly. We can start their relationship, and, and the Lord can do stuff with it. Thank you, I think this is, are you a question? I think yeah. it's probably our last one. Um, I was wondering, I lead on a, I lead the online college in Miami, and our team just recently grew to 20 people. I was wondering if you had any, like, recommendations how to keep the community among our team. What a mess, 20 of you. We often, like, talk a lot about, like, keeping community and, like, keeping each other accountable and stuff, but it often, like, doesn't yeah. actually. It would be so hard to ever plan like a team meeting and stuff with that many people. Uh, your team is about our leadership. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the, uh, the really hard part is when it's not going well, it's easy just to go, man, and throw in the towel. You know? And that's where you just kind of have to be stubborn and keep trying. Um, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, who who can speak into that? Big team, good. Um, when I led Young Life College to Ohio State, um, it was such a big team that we would have like a smaller group. Like we would have two small groups, and, like that's how we did community together. Um, so it just like it made it more intimate by splitting it up. We still come together as a big group once a week, but having that smaller group, more accountability, more space to know and be known. Yeah, it's harder to be open and real in big groups anyway. You know, like I don't know, I don't know if you guys can split up in and not feel like a popularity contest either, because that's part of the. It's a really important part of it. You know what I mean? Um, but I think it's a, a good call.